Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together. Thank you, Lord, for the taste of worship that we got. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship you all day long. And Lord, we just pray as we have this meeting that your blessing would be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, first of all, I'm going to define the meeting, then we're going to have the meeting. I used to work in a hotel, the Crescent Court Hotel, downtown Dallas. I was a doorman there. And before I worked there, I was a valet parker at the mansion on Turtle Creek. Mrs. Hunt owned, at that time, both of those, the Rosewood Corporation. I'm not sure who owns them now. They're still going. And occasionally they would have what you call back-of-the-house meetings. There's the front-of-the-house meeting where all the guests are, and then there's the back-of-the-house where the staff happens. So to have a meeting like this on Sunday morning really isn't appropriate. Just kind of a strategizing meeting, you know, rah-rah meeting for the next season. To be able to talk about things and have a conversation. If you have any questions or comments or whatever, by all means, share those. Tonight we're talking about Generations Church of Granberries. First of all, we'll just mention our construction project briefly. The lift is done. One of the reasons we did it is we currently don't have any members in wheelchairs, but a couple of years ago we did. A girl in youth had to be lugged upstairs every week and down, and, and we were illegal. I mean, we got in the building legally because that was a storage floor, and then when we finished out that floor with no lift, we're now illegal. And we knew it would become an issue when we expand the building. And we thought, well, let's at least get that out of the way. So when we expand the building, we already have the lift. And we discovered through our research the most cost-effective way to do it was a lift, which requires a key. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And a person other than the passenger to continuously punch the button so it will go up and down. Take a ride in. It's interesting. You're riding in a box. There is no ceiling above you other than the ceiling of the building and the walls race past you and have no fear if you drop your cell phone we have the technology to get underneath that thing and get your personal items out all right the front of the building uh, the architect envisioned it as this we got city approval and then we decided hey we can save some money by getting rid of those two middle pillars we now have a wonderful view without the infringement of two pillars in the middle this part of the building is done with the exception of the stucco that is up on the front. And this is the color of the stucco. It goes on already painted. Paint is mixed in the stucco, so if you want to see what that looks like. Infinity Decor uh, will be creating. They're the ones that designed our logo to begin with. They'll be creating what will go on there in place. It's already lit up at night. Uh, there's two LED spots that shine up on that part of the building. When you go out, you'll notice the street lights have two additional lights on them. And so that part of the project will be done when the logo's in place and the city comes out and gives us the final green sticker, I guess is how they do it, and then we'll be done. No more construction. Any questions about that little project? Before we ever had a building, we had a dream of a drive through I can show you architectural sketches of the drive through All right, now to begin our congregational meeting, we're going to watch video.
What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. Who is glad to be part of the church? This church is an expression of the church. There are many expressions of the church in Granbury, and we need more expressions of the church. But it's important that this church is an accurate expression of the church, not that we're shooting at any other church other than ourselves. We want to be the church that... Jesus is building. And so I believe that as they gave a laundry list of achievements of the church over the centuries, I believe the root of it all, of course, is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But beyond that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the Scriptures. We're talking about the Bible. If we fail to do this, then we're just a bunch of do-gooders or we're just a social club. And so the root of all the good deeds that the church has achieved over the centuries and is even achieving now, if it's going to bear fruit, is because they're making disciples. The first church, the day they were born, began to do this. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, don't let the word doctrine scare you. It simply means teaching. The apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So they continued in what the apostles were teaching. What were they teaching? If you read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to observe everything I commanded you. So the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine is an extension or a continuation of the teaching of Jesus. 
So if you want an expansion of Jesus' teachings in the four Gospels, you have the rest of the New Testament to see how his teachings are carried out in the life of the church. There's four things I really would like for us to focus on in this next season. That is teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. And so we will come back to that verse. Next, I just want to look at one other thing. Ephesians 4, Paul writes that the Lord gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work. So if you're not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, you're not relieved of work. And what is that work? It's ministry. And what's the ministry for? To build up or edify the body of Christ. This building, as inexpensive as it is, is an edifice. It's a built, something that was built up that wasn't here before. And so the saints are equipped for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ can be built up. This will continue till we all come to the unity of the faith. Have we come there yet? Not yet. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Have we arrived yet? Not yet to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this is the fulfillment of everything Christ came to do, and we all play a part in that. So that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. This is still happening. You know why the false prophets are still on television? Making money, selling God's blessings, telling lies like, hey, the angels are getting their assignment for the next 12 months. You better get your money in so they'll get their assignment to bless you. I mean, that's total heresy. Why are they there? Because people are paying it. They're still children tossed to and fro, so we still have a job to do. I'm not shooting at those guys. I'm just saying they're a good barometer. They're still on TV. We still got a job to do. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, that's what I'm trying to do, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Can we say joint? Our relationships are our joints. We're parts of the body, and just as the bones in your body are connected by joints, we're connected by joints. It's our relationships. As our relationships are right, then we are able to function properly. I've heard of young people that have had joint problems and their bones don't grow properly because the growth activity of the body isn't happening because the flow of life between the joints is all blocked up. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right, that's a lot to swallow right there. Let's go back and make it simple. Can we say teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. All right, we're going to come back to that now. We're beginning a season we're calling Wednesday Night Live, and that is as blessed as we are with the amazing Christian media that is available for us to use, and we will use it. We just came out of a season 
of using some wonderful media called Explore God, our Tuesday morning women's Bible studies using some John Bevere materials. But this season, Wednesday night, we're going to try to utilize the gifts of the body as much, if not more, than ever before. For what? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. So when you come, realize we're trying to do those four things. So the meat of what we're doing, the teaching part of the meeting, is going to be between 7 and 8. Not being legalistic, but between 7 and 8, we will have child care where they're also getting meat. They're also being fed the word. And then between 8 and 8.30 can be fellowship, can be breaking of bread, can be prayers, can be all three. But parents are free to leave after 8 to go and get their kids home. It's hurt our attendance on Wednesdays because some young parents actually put their children in bed at 8.30. The way we've been doing church has hindered some of their participation. We've kind of been contrary to their culture. So they'll be free to leave at 8 and go get their child, and it won't interrupt what they're doing spiritually in the children's ministry and won't interrupt the apostles' doctrine, the teaching part of our meeting. If they need to go, there's no shame. They're not doing something that's rebellious or anything like that. They're free to go, but those that want to stay, we can pray. And I really would like to see our meetings that end with prayer where we don't all have to pray as one big group. We can break up in a half a dozen groups. Why? More people pray when you do that. The more of the body gets involved when we do that. Jesus said where two or three agree concerning anything that they ask, it'll be done. If we can have multiple prayer meetings, wouldn't you say six prayer meetings is better than one? I think so. Tonight, we would like to end this meeting. We're not ending it yet with prayer for Bob Lanning. So he goes to India in two days to do some of this stuff right there. Continue the ministry of Jesus. Prayers are important. So we want to end this brief time of teaching with some prayers. Sorry, I didn't have any refreshments, so there's no breaking of bread tonight. So the heart of the meetings, the heart of the simultaneous meetings are from 7 to 8. The fellowship times are before 7 and after 8. The prayer times will probably be be best after 8. The breaking of bread could be like we just came through a season where we had refreshments at 6.30. You can put on a worship CD or something. As people come in, they can fellowship and break some bread together and enjoy before we get to the heart of the matter starting at 7. Does that make sense? So here's what's happening on Wednesdays. The youth, they start at 6.30. We just got to enjoy the last part of their worship set that they did before they headed back upstairs to their room. Children's ministry starts at 7, and that's first to fifth graders, but also nurseries, uh, children younger than that as well. Lois. I'm going to be teaching Wednesday night, teaching the women's lesson from the book of Luke. And I called it Life Lessons because we're looking at the greatest life there ever was, Jesus. And I'm going to be going through the, the book, kind of looking at some of the lessons that I learned that have affected and impacted my life from looking at his life through Luke. And so that's what I'm going to do Wednesday night. I'm really excited about it. I love the word. I love what Pastor said about teaching and fellowship. And I know that our Tuesday morning a Bible study that we've had for a long time, that's what really keeps a lot of women coming. Is it's not just great teaching, which we love, but there's also a relationship. 
and there's fellowship, and it's in a smaller group, and and we go somewhere and we break bread afterwards. So uh, anyway, I hope you you come come see us. This is not out of the norm. We've had women's Wednesday Bible studies for years. Also, not out of the norm is a men's midweek Bible study. See how we call it. Women's Wednesday Bible studies, men's midweek Bible studies. Anyway, uh, heart of the of that book is right in the middle of the book. Paul says these things command and teach. Our church has a lot of men in it that travel for their jobs, and if they get home in time for church, they're absolutely exhausted. And so this study for the last couple of years has been a live class here, but also a call-in conference call where they can call in and listen to the study, and then during discussion times we unmute the phone, and they can join in with their comments and questions. And it's been good. One Wednesday we had somebody call in from El Paso, someone else. These are members of the church. Someone else from Memphis, someone from Kerrville, and someone from Hideaway Bay. Imagine that. Our record for distance, someone called in from Cambridge, England. It's about 1.30 in the morning, their time, when we unmuted the phone so he could participate in the discussion time. And so we'll continue to do that. The other unique thing about this class is when we begin, we have a sign-up sheet of passages for the book, which week we'll be covering which passage, and different men sign up. And we've had as high as 20 sessions with probably 14 different guys teaching. Now... A change, a third option, a co-ed class. If you can think of a better name to call it, a better term, do it. If we say couples, then that alienates singles. If we say men and women, then we, we're confusing people. Well, I thought the men had a class, or I thought the women had one. But a third class, a topical class, they'll, they'll run in six-week periods of time. How this came about is when we did... The lift, it lasted for months. It was supposed to be three or four weeks. Man, it was three or four months, if not five or six. And our preschool class moved across the hallway during that time to become part of our very large nursery. We have three rooms. And they like the room where they are. And the room between the nursery and the preschool is our game room. And there's a little time for interaction between the workers. And they don't want to move back. So for this season, anyway, we have an extra classroom, saints. We've added this third class. And so teaching the first six weeks, Dr. Dale Kennedy wrote a book entitled, What is Heaven Really Like? Dale, come and give us a spiel like Lois did. We might have cookies. I love to bake. That's all I need to say. <laughs> Anybody that's had my cookies would say amen. Amen, right. Praise God. Uh, a few years back, a friend of mine sent me a pamphlet that he had done on heaven. And the more I read the little pamphlet, and then I thought, you know, we all want to go to heaven. We all know that we're going to heaven, but most people don't know a whole lot about it. In other words, is it day or night? How big is it? Where is it? You know, and, and just a thousand questions. And so I sat down, and I just started to develop a little study which developed into a series of sermons that I preached which developed into a 
book called uh, What is Heaven Really Like? Is that the name of the book? Okay. And uh, so we're, huh? My wife's favorite author wrote the thing. Um, or her second favorite author, maybe. Uh, so what we're going to do is over the six-week period, where the, the book has six chapters, and so we're going to take one chapter a week and go through it. And I promise you at the end of six weeks, it'll just be all you can do to keep from wanting to go to heaven right now. I, uh, I spent all yesterday just looking up verses about heaven. Man, if God's taking up a busload tonight, I'm ready to go. I grew up in church, churches that talked about heaven all the time, and we sang about it all the time to an extreme. And I think maybe we went to the other extreme. This is our hope. This is the reason for it all. This is the bottom line. This is awesome. So, Pastor Allen, what will you do if everybody in your class goes and there's just two or three guys with you? Well, that's perfect. That's the ideal setting. So, anyway. So, that being our vision, teaching, fellowship, prayer, and breaking of bread, try to remember those four things when you come and realize the importance of this for all the great achievements of the church internationally, five million congregations now. This has been the heart of what we have done. And teaching is important. It's possible for a church just to become an education center and not have any fellowship, no breaking of bread, and no prayers. We don't want that. That's probably what happened to Harvard and Dartmouth and Princeton and Yale. Just became teaching and none of the other stuff. And then the teaching just got off course. No, prayer helps center our hearts up. And When there's something blocking your prayers and you know it, you search your heart. And... The Holy Spirit, at least with me, showed me where I need to repent. Oftentimes, I'm looking for a vet <laughs> to ask for her forgiveness. I raise my children on my knees asking for their forgiveness. So that's it in a nutshell, the meeting, before we break up and have prayers and then fellowship. Anybody have any comments or questions? Yes, Stephanie. The youth will continue to 8.30, but their meetings will be geared where if children start leaving after 8, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, anyway. Our church is incredibly blessed. As I shared, we had 14 guys help teach a 20-week course through James. It was pretty good, man. It was really good stuff. In fact, it's online. You can go hear it if you want. We also have eight former pastors that are part of this congregation. Very blessed. And so if there's an area of revelation where you feel the Lord might use you to teach a class for six weeks or whatever, get with me. And if two of you line up, we may team you up or whatever, but you'll have to be patient because we've already got three six-week segments already lined up, so it'll be good. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's have three prayer areas.